1: From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style.
2: Hi, I'm Peter Rasciuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We've known for some time that we have an obesity problem in America. Over the years, we've come up with diets of every type and flavor you can imagine, but as a nation, we're not getting slimmer or healthier. We've tried to lay the blame for our overweight and ill health on many things, including carbs, fats, processed foods. Lately, we've come to lay the blame on sugar. A few years ago, food and drink manufacturers started offering products made with low sugar or no sugar or sugar alternatives. Most of these products have been met with consumer resistance because either they don't taste good, or the sugar substitute is a synthetic chemical that is perceived as worse for you overall than sugar. The Holy Grail is going to be an all-natural sugar substitute that is equal in taste to sugar and can be used in equal quantities of sugar, but has zero calories. Well, I hope you're sitting down, because I'm going to tell you that not only does this product exist, but the company that has created it is right here in New Orleans. It's called Swerve. It's in 4,000 stores across America, and it's just getting warmed up. Anders Blackwell is president and CEO of Swerve Sweetener. Anders, welcome
1: down to lunch. Oh, thanks so much, Peter. So excited to be here. <laughs> it's possible that you've already heard of
2: Swerve. It's almost certain that you've heard of Sweeten Low or Stevia. It's all very well to have a great idea or even a world-beating product the world is searching for, but if you're here in New Orleans, how do you get the word to the rest of the world? And how do you beat back competition from vested interests with very deep pockets? One way is to team up with an inventive branding, marketing, and advertising agency who are local but know how to compete beyond Louisiana. Like, for example, Trumpet Advertising. Trumpet was founded in 1997. Today, they have up to 30 employees in their mid-city headquarters. And like the musical instrument it's named after, trumpet advertising is universal but with a distinctly New Orleans sensibility. Scott Cuvion is a principal at trumpet advertising. He's been there since 2004. Scott, welcome Out to Lunch. Thanks for having us. Andrus, if things go the way Hollywood or maybe Trumpet would write your story, you'll end up saving the world from obesity and ill health, and your good deeds will turn you into a billionaire. Before we get to the middle and end of this story, let's go back to the beginning. Who
1: discovered Swerve and what exactly is it? So we started out as a sweetener that we created, my former business partner and I, for a protein shake. So if you think about it, back in the early days of protein shakes, they were really sweetened with artificial sweeteners. You mentioned that that's been very prevalent in the past when it comes to manufacturing products. And we wanted to do something better. We also wanted to make it taste really good, and it was focused on women who would need to have additional protein in their diets. And so it had to taste good. We created this blend of um, ingredients that became the the sweetener in our protein shake, and it tasted so good. We decided, wow, this sweetener needs its own presence, and we started bagging it on its own as well.
2: Now, where am I going to uh, see it? I know you're in a lot of grocery stores
1: and such. Am I going to one way? Typically, when I first see it, will it be in a little single serving packet or? You know, I, I love that you asked that because most people think of sugar substitutes being in the little bitty packets. You see them on the restaurant uh, right. table as well. We actually focus on baking and cooking. And so people use us by the cupful. That's something that's very unique about Swerve. It measures just like sugar. So, yes, you can absolutely find it in little individual sachets, the packets. But people generally buy us by the bag. So if it's said a cup of sugar, it's going to be a, you a, use a, a cup, cup of Swerve. Swerve. Absolutely. Scott, most of us have a rudimentary idea
2: of how advertising agencies work. We understand that a smart guy like you comes up with the marketing stuff we remember, like the Geico Gecko or the Dos most interesting man in the world. But we don't have any idea of how you create these campaigns. Maybe you could explain that to us. Suppose, for example just making this up but you're sitting across the table from somebody who has a company that makes a holy grail product everybody's been looking for an all-natural sugar substitute (laughs) called swerve (laughs) what are the first questions you'd ask Anders
3: Uh, well I mean I think the 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 question is is I think confirming the delta that we're in in our industry Um, so in the 20th century we were really Marketers were really in this interruption model where we tried to reach as many people as we could for as little amount of money as possible. And we interrupted them over and over and over again with frequently delivered television commercials. And we tried to, you know, supplant or implant this purchase intent, you know. And today, there's still plenty of marketers that are doing that. But the the examples that you mentioned, the Geico's and the and the the Dos Equis you know, yeah. uh, spokespeople are still... Teeing off on this, not antiquated. It's still very present, but a very different uh, approach to marketing. The, the, I wouldn't say new approach because it's been around for a couple of years. But people are marketers are still trying to wrap their heads around exactly how to use it. Is uh, being much more purposeful in your marketing approach and less about repetition and interruption. So is this kind of focusing on a <clears throat> s- market segments? Well, it, it, that's part of it. But no, I think it, it's even further upstream than that. It, it's less about uh, how do I create the best interruption tactic? And to whom do I narrow cast that interruption to, which aren't bad conversations. That's creative. That's segmenting. That's all the things that, that modern marketers need to be doing. But the first question that I would ask... Uh, you know anyone in in who is coming to an ad agency specifically one like ours is what is it that your company believes in you know because if if you engineer everything backwards from a reach and frequency model you're going to be you know in mass media and hopefully if you get lucky and you get a great commercial that gains cultural relevance like the most interesting man in the world then it'll be a campaign that makes you a whole lot of money but it's it's a Formula that's getting more and more and more tried and so less you're doing and less it and less kind of
2: backwards from that.
3: Well, I mean, I think we we'd say we're Different. doing it exactly right. <laughs> doing it okay. the, And and I, I would say, you know, so so if someone like a swerve comes into trumpet, and you know, I can say this with a straight face because it's similar to some of the conversations that we're had with you know we would have had in the past, or yep. or, or that we're having with our clients every day. When you can. If you if you can't articulate what it is that you believe in as a company, it's not a problem. It doesn't mean you don't have a belief. It just means that you're initiating your conversations farther downstream than where we would want to be initiating the conversation. The interesting thing about Swerve is just innate in the product, and certainly innate in the people that are bringing that product to market. There's purpose in that product. It solves a very specific uh, need in the marketplace. You know, and whether that was Narrow it to the segment of diabetics, and then it became something, and then it became something is, is a tactic that you're gonna. Ha- that's a tactical conversation you're gonna have to have eventually. But the primary question that I'd ask is, what is it that you believe? And when you're, when is you're, that a different question than uh, I'm gonna create a story around you? I, I think the story can be how you take a belief and capture it and bring it to market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but a story, absent a, a moral, is a, is a way to get kids to go to sleep. You know, so. That's um, helpful too. Yeah. <laughs> but now, <laughs> how, how are, are you to marketing it? and selling Swerve?
1: Well, you know we actually work with Trumpet. And I'm, so we ask this they ask this very specific question and Not Scott specific Not Scott but specifically, but one of his uh, counterparts there at Trumpet and it really does start with why do we even exist as a company? And why did we create this product? Did we create it just to sell something and make money or did we create it as a tool for individuals? And that's really the way we look at it Peter is that we want people to understand about blood sugar. That if you balance your blood sugar and if you stabilize blood sugar, you have better energy levels all the time. You're a better wife, a better partner, a better husband, a better coworker. All of the time you have better weight management. And so Swerve's just a tool in the toolbox for better blood sugar management. That's really what it's all about. It's about education. and so. With working with Trumpet, as an example, is if they understand that's our purpose in the world is to help educate people about better blood sugar, then our message becomes quite clear. And it's just about going to those audiences that we together have identified that would be interested in that. Could it be the diabetic population? Could it be people who are just wanting to make proactive health decisions? So we come up, we came up with the want-to-haves and the need-to-haves. And that's exactly mm-hmm. how we've designed all of our messaging out as far as the marketing goes, and who
2: are you selling to? Is it, is it, um, is it people, or you, I know you're trying to get
1: shelf space on in grocery stores. Do you look at those two markets differently? Or? I think of them as exactly the same. I think that anybody who makes a buying decision, be it a Whole Foods Market, be it a Sprouts, be it Walmart, Kroger, that those are still consumers they're still consuming food products and they still have a need for certain things in their life. So that's who I'm talking to is on a consumer level. So yes, we're we're trying to obviously get on the retail shelves. It's all about being able to make products convenient for people to purchase. That's probably the hardest part as a startup company is you wanna go out there and spread your message, but then people don't have a place to purchase it. Now the internet has right. o- obviously changed that quite a bit, but yes, we're still now, you said 4,000 stores, I'm gonna correct you, yep. it's actually around Eight thousand now, and, so you, and you've now really got excited. inquiries
2: from some company I've never heard of in Arkansas. Wall something. Some, Walmart. Those, yeah,
1: we will be going yes. onto the shelf on the shelf in Walmart in certain locations. Oh. Uh, probably between seven hundred and fifty and a thousand locations um, in the summer. So That's, we're really excited about so that. That is that is great. Where did the name Swerve come from? It sounds like a kind of a sneaky.
2: Pitch that a pitcher would throw.
1: It's um, true story. So we were trying to decide what do we want to call this. It needs to be something fun. It doesn't need to sound pharmaceutical. So I literally picked up the dictionary, opened it up, and there was the word swerve, and it said moving in a fast direction away from something. And wow, we're swerving away from sugar. So it just hmm. became so evident. But literally, it was opening up the dictionary and there it was. You're listening to
2: Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Rashuti. I'm talking with Anders Blackwell from Swerve Sweetener, the all-natural sugar substitute, and Scott Cuvion from the ad agency Trumpet Advertising. Scott, i got to ask you a question. How do you advertise yourself?
3: Well, that's, I mean, I would say we're no different than Swerve. You know, the the reality is that if, if, if we're a fair question is if we're asking companies every day, "What is it that you believe in?" You know, a fair question is, "What do we believe in?" You know, so um, and we practice exactly what we preach. So, I mean, our belief is that business is a good thing. That you don't need to apologize for making money. Uh, you don't have to be a non-profit to get into heaven. You know, the, <laughs> that you know, a lot
2: of people have been asking. This is right. we cleared it up right here on the show.
3: But the reality is that. Um, that when that is what you believe, then how you behave is going to be is going to be different. So I would say that yes, while there are traditional understandings of what advertising agencies are and what they do, and we certainly get uh, painted with that brush, how we sell ourselves is really the delineation between us and our approaches, and and the belief and the approaches of other advertising agencies. Because the reality is that the the preponderance of advertising dollars and advertising energy is being spent way downstream from the purpose of the organization the belief of the organization and that's okay unless like us you know that your sales go up your your affinity rankings go up your sentiment your confidence your your repurchase your advocacy all of those things go up when brands are able to align with consumers on the basis of belief not speed or price yeah. or you know any of the things that 99% of advertising is talking about what are you doing day to day uh, now I'm a strategist I'm a, I'm a brand strategist so trumpet focuses primarily all of our energy certainly all of our overhead is focused in three areas of advertising it's strategy it's creative and it's technology those are the three pieces that we've identified as as the most non-transferable the absolute has you got to get those right, right in order for everything else to work. We don't buy media. We don't do public relations. Oh. Because the reality is, is if we're working with a swerve, that media buy should be more specific to consumer packaged goods than it w- would necessarily work for well, a back. Well, that alone, Scott, is different. Most ad agencies would would probably do that whole gamut, right? Absolutely. And I've worked, you know, all of us at Trumpet have worked somewhere else, which frankly informed the perspective that we bring, right. you know, to bear at Trumpet. And the reality is, is that in every agency that I've worked in, whether it's a 400-person global shop or a... You know, hundred-person local shop. If you have a media department or you have a a, a PR group, uh, and that discipline is led by a director with a, a you know perspective on that craft, uh, over time, your hospital media buy looks like your bank media buy yeah. looks like your consumer packaged goods media buy, and it's not a failing of individuals. It's just habit. You, know, you loaded what, with what like you know, hip young people. We're loaded with hip young people. That's what I always but thought. The, <laughs> but the reality is is by not having media and not having things like PR under roof, uh, we can bring those assets to bear that are most appropriate for a hospital or a financial institution. And a credit union is different than a for-profit for, uh, bank. So th- these, this elasticity allows us to have our, our core competencies where we think you know they need to be. And not that media and PR is unimportant, but it is the more commoditized part of our industry. And Annis, what, what do you do day to day? Just
1: taste testing and things like that. What are I call myself the chief taste tester. Oh, you do? How right? in the world I How did speak you know about that, about... Peter? <laughs> no, it's true. Um, actually, I really think about vision and strategy and try to lead the team and guide the team. But I still am very involved day to day in sales and how we want to communicate our brand out there in the world. I will tell you though these guys created a fantastic branding campaign for us and really it's about consistency then right we want to put a very consistent message out there so everything needs to pass through one set of eyes and so I really work hard on that and ensuring that in everything we do if it's social media if it's even just a presentation to a retail partner that that consistency flows through everything and I think as a small company and especially when you have a small team like we do it's really easy for your team to be going out there and everybody being on a different page and for consistency to kind of be all over the place. And so we have to be very mindful and thoughtful about that. And Scott, Andrea,
2: she's got this really well thought out and, and she's your client and, and such, but there must be other people that come in with ideas that just aren't good. and um, <laughs> and It you, never happens, right? No. I've, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't how do you handle that?
1: It,
3: uh, I'll tell you, the, the, the times, the, the most problematic for us as an enterprise, is, uh, is if the relationship is so tactical and there's never been a conversation about the strategic, those are relationships that don't go very well. I would say what our clients have in common is not that they're all tourism clients or that they're all banks or they're all you know consumer packaged goods clients, w- but what they all agree on is that purpose is, if not more, as important as product in the in the advertising conversation so that that's that's what our clients have in common so i would i would I, you know yes there are a ton of bad ideas out there um and and we don't believe that you know all money's green but the reality is that if you're at a company whose product is just wretched or doing bad in the world even worse you know than not working is doing something harmful you know a we got we got a call from R.J. Reynolds years ago um, because we were having such great effect with anti-tobacco campaigns. They actually called us to see if we would consider working for a tobacco company. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so
2: just when you were so close to getting people to yeah, heaven, exactly. Uh, so, and, yeah. uh,
3: and the reality is is that as owners, we just we didn't we didn't do it. We didn't pursue it for, for probably more moral reasons than fiscal ones. I guarantee you, right. uh, there's more money from R.J. Reynolds than from you know, the Louisiana campaign for tobacco-free living. But um, but regardless I think that those products that are when there's a marketing approach that is solely tactical it's it's fine you got to get to tactics at some point but if you haven't had those strategic upstream decisions first those tactics are destined to become something inefficient uneconomical or truly for your share of voice or share of market to get displaced by the fact that you were selling fast and cheap and somebody else faster and cheaper came along I mean those things are going to happen and a brand allows you to withstand competition but no brand, you're, you're, you're dead in the water. As soon as somebody's cheaper, you're, you're done. Your, your promise to the marketplace is, has been eviscerated. Andres, I have a
2: question for you. As, as a business prof, I guess this is kind of a nerdy question. But you, you have had this growth, but you've basically done it through internal cash flow. You uh, haven't expanded so quickly. You haven't made the mistakes a lot of people have made where you kind of outgrow your infrastructure, your supply chain.
1: How have you had that discipline? That's been one of the hardest challenges. Peter, people want to see you putting new products out there, but honestly, our team is so in line with one another on not doing that. It does take tremendous discipline. As a small company, you find that there are a lot of them that don't even have budgets in place, and we are very, very determined to make sure that we have a budget, that we follow that budget, When I was like 10 or 12 years old, I wanted to go to the beach on a church trip. And my dad said, "Um, well, in order for you to get some money uh, to go on your church trip, I mean, I'm 10 years old, you know. He said, you're going to need to put a budget together for me. And so I know exactly how much money you need for your trip. And I had to write T-shirt, souvenir, you know, lunch and so forth. (laughs) And so from that very time, I realized it does take discipline. And the people who are disciplined doesn't mean you always win. But you certainly have a much better opportunity. And so we really are very conscious about not overspending. We pay ourselves very modest wages because we want to put that money back into the company in order to grow it. And just like you said, you need cash flow in order to buy raw materials. And so we have these new products that we're getting ready to launch, some new bait mixes, and we basically saved our money in order to do that. We don't have, we're not some big conglomerate that has this infusion of capital that's coming in for us to launch all of these new products, we had to be disciplined. And so it's, um, it's exciting and it's there's some f- fulfillment just in that part itself and being able to go out there and do it on your own like that.
2: And one of the most amazing things about New Orleans is that for a relatively small city in a southern state, we have a disproportionate number of fascinating, creative people and extraordinarily interesting businesses. If you were in any doubt about that, Andres and Scott, this conversation with you has illustrated why we're one of America's most popular cities to start and grow a business. It's been great to meet you. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Andres Blackwell, president and CEO of Swerve Sweetener, and Scott Cuvion, principal at Trumpet Advertising. You can find out more about Swerve and Trumpet by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to this show and get past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and Its New Orleans' Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Schuert Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness. Additional support for Out to Lunch comes from Basic Swim & Gym, Travel Central in Metairie, and Strategic Resumes.